0: Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are here to review Star Trek Picard Season 2 Episode 5, Fly Me to the Moon. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host Slash Trekkies and once again with special guest Tasha Pierce from After the Snap. Tasha, how are you doing today?
1: Everything is everything, sir.
0: We are glad to have you on board again to review this episode of Star Trek Picard.
1: You know, I had to come in here and take my victory lap.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm here. I'm here for your theories. I, I want to know more of this deep trick knowledge that you bring to the show. <laughs> and also on the podcast, we have the Who historian Cal Jones. How are you doing?
2: You know what? I want to quote a friend of ours, Mr. Lee Shackleford, by saying I'm grand, just grand. <laughs> I am glad you are grand, sir. And
0: also on the podcast, last but certainly not least, is the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, dude? I am good,
3: man. Happy to be talking with you, ladies and gentlemen, about one of my favorite pastimes in that Star Trek.
0: Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say one of your favorite episodes, but that's yet to be determined. We'll see. Dum, dum, dum.
2: <laughs> but the question of the day is, and is something that I think we never ask, Clarence Brown, how are you? I'm great. I'm I'm i
0: in your words. I'm grand. Glad to be here <laughs> to talk Trek. But Tasha, I know we do this each time you're here. But tell people where they can find out more about you and your show.
1: Well, for some reason you want to find out more about me, you can check on YouTube at After the Snap Movies and TV. We do movie reviews, series re- reviews, and recaps. Now we do an awful lot of treculation and I've, I've, I've made up a <laughs> word for it. It's treculation. <laughs> I love and it. You can also find me on Twitter.
0: We're going to get right into Star Trek Picard Fly Me to the Moon, which was written by Cindy Appel and was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Woot, woot. Picard discovers that an important person from his past may be integral to the divergence in the timeline. Q continues his manipulation of said timeline taking an interest in Dr. Adam Soong. Seven and Rafi attempt the daring rescue of Rios while Gerardi faces the consequences
2: of her deal with the Borg Queen. So, for everyone listening, if you have not seen this episode, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? and i killed sparky too
0: and as always we go to cal for the beats of the episode sometimes serious sometimes
2: comedic honestly you never know mr jones what do you have for us this week so mine is going to be hopefully a little bit cryptic and hopefully one day in the future will give me a victory lap of my own and that's going to be this throughout history The true identities of kings and queens took a backseat to their title and their crown. Maybe that can also be said of the future. Need proof? Look up. That was good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. I don't want to believe in that theory, but mm. (laughs) Tasha, what is your high level view of this episode?
1: You know what? I'll say 75% of it. I was here for, there's that one quarter of it that, that just didn't do it for me, but we'll get there.
0: <laughs> mm, interesting stuff. Jonathan, what do you think, man?
3: Hmm. I don't honestly know. And I'm hoping you guys push me one way or another. This could have been really good or it could have been blah. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like I have seen a lot of maybe advancement in the story, but then maybe not really. I'm just, I'm kind of on the
2: border of whether it was good or just okay. Mr. Jones, I'm going to throw it back to you, man. What do you think? So Clarence, you know me well enough to know that I love when you can go back into the story and layer something on it that kind of makes you rethink things when you go back and you watch things again. So I love some of the layering of the story, particularly in Data's. Past or what led up to data that I really, really enjoyed, but there were some parts of it that did kind of i don't know almost felt a little fillerish a little bit to me, so I'm not quite sure yet kind of I want to echo what Jonathan said I'm not quite sure how I feel about them yet there is, and there is something about technology that I wish they wouldn't have done, considering. That it's 2024.
0: Wow. Keep that because we want to hear about that later. So as for me, I think I kind of lean more on the Tasha side of things. I do want to hear your guys' opinions to better formulate mine as well. So I'll with you guys on that. But overall, there's like a whole part of this episode I just felt like was just pushed in there. A square peg in a round hole, so to speak. And I just actively... Hated all the Adam Sungs stuff. Now it was, it was parts of it that were good, but I think I just actively hated all of it. It just felt too shoehorned to get these characters back in the story. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm an Enterprise fan. Have we done this already? So, oh boy, I don't know. We, talk, talk me now. Talk me now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into it. Boom, you're dead. We begin the episode with Renee Picard. As portrayed by Penelope Mitchell aboard a simulation of the Shango and things aren't going well. You know, we learn a little bit about the Europa mission, which launches in three days at this point. uh, She's told in the simulation, but Renee does not seem ready. So thoughts on Renee Picard and
1: maybe some of the mental
0: health aspects of the show.
1: Well, you know, I relate. To Renee, in that I I have anxiety and depression as well. I know how it can railroad what you know your intentions will be railroaded when you have an episode. So I did kind of like that. I I also liked the fact that she was getting therapy. It's just too bad her therapist. Oh
0: my god!
1: <laughs> too bad who she got for a therapist. But I did enjoy the fact that they did uh kind of shine a light on the awareness of mental health without beating us over the head with it. There is a message that that can be taken from it, but it wasn't as uh, overdone as I've seen it done in, say, discovery. Oh,
2: God, thank you. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So to echo what Tasha just said, I can also, coming as as a person with ADD and knowing if you don't treat ADD, that depression and ADD can work hand in hand. And, and, and so I feel that and I echo everything Tasha just said. I'm glad it wasn't overdone, but I am glad that they did it in a way that seemed plausible.
3: So I, I kind of thought about it at a different angle from you guys. And I uh, I don't, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with any kind of mental disorder. I'm sure I have one that I have to deal
1: with. We all have one.
3: <laughs> but, you know, my thoughts on that, and I, I watch a lot of sci-fi and, you know, and a lot of different shows and movies where we're talking about, you know, first of, or if not the first one of the few, you know, rocket launches or whatever. And this person has never done it before. They're going through those issues. And, it's not necessarily that she had mental issues, but I'm thinking that is a pretty accurate description of the scale or the magnitude of what someone is carrying that Mm -hmm. has that goal or has that mission. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be that person. And you're, I mean, from what it looks like, she's the primary person there. Can you imagine? And in three days, this is happening And now all of a sudden you have the jitters that's causing you to mess up. And then you're doubting yourself. And we've all been in that situation where we're preparing for some major event. And all of a sudden it's like at the last minute, we kind of lose focus. And then Mm -hmm. you start doubting whether or not, is it just losing focus because of nervousness or do I have a problem? Should I be this person? Should I be doing this now? Should we be doing it later? Should it be someone else? Like I get all of that. And as you guys pointed out, The fact that they kind of shine the light on it, not directly, it just kind of like overcast the light so people can relate. And no matter which side of it you're coming from, you're coming from a personal experience with mental disorders or you're just coming from someone who sees something that they never experienced before. We still can understand that magnitude of the issues. So I thought that was very well done.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And let me add one one last thing in agreement to what jonathan just said whether she is having you know issues outside of just this or whether it's just pre-launch nerves they took that aspect of the routine evaluation that i am quite sure that happens to every launch that they do to just as a psych eval and integrated that into the story and i think that is what i like best about it
0: that definitely was pretty cool. And I also love the fact that they, you know, you had Q there, which we'll get into, but as Picard is looking with Talen, who we'll talk about, he's like, why are you looking at this?
2: This is private.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which I really love.
0: Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure everybody on the staff was looking at her assessment. So yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about Talen as portrayed by Ola Brady. The supervisor assigned to monitor and protect Renee Picard. General thoughts and Tasha. I know you have a lot to say on this because you made a little prediction on this on our last show. So tell us what you think about Talen. Well,
1: you know, I, I'm you know, I'm not gonna uh, gloat. <laughs> However, <laughs> I did feel like with with her, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel. I feel like okay, they made a good use of a callback. We're not gonna hang on to it and pretend like uh, this is. The crux at the crux of the show, we talked about it. We moved on and moved on past it. But what I did notice about her, it seems like she has a great deal of admiration. Dare I even say love for Renee Picard? She speaks about her like she's speaking about her own child or family member.
0: Which we know that she's been there as her protector since... She was born, I guess. And we make the the strong reference to Gary Seven in this episode as well. I love it when Picard, he'll say, oh, like Kirk's Enterprise. I like like the way he's referencing it without referencing TOS. (laughs) Enough detail there. We know exactly what he's talking about. Do you feel like it's a bit odd that this iteration of a person from Gary Seven's people can come and only watch because what i remember from the simon earth episode gary seven was very much intervening to make something happen but it looks like she's just here to kind of observe and i guess in case anything goes off the rails she can jump in what did you think about that difference there
3: well it did cross my mind but she did mention something that made me okay with it and i don't remember the exact wording but you know she said we as watchers were We're not all it's basically we don't all have the same job. Sometimes a watcher's only job is to oversee one particular aspect of the timeline. Mm. And so I kind of I kind of took away from it that the watchers, they all have different responsibilities and different. They're all allowed to do different things. Some would be in this case, just the observer, watcher, protector of one specific person not to get involved. And maybe someone else, sort of like you have an enforcer or, you know what I mean? Like it's one person that gets things done, but there's another person that kind of watches and gives you information. So that's kind
0: of where I took it. Mm, Good point. Sort of like a scout, I would guess. Right.
1: Because that's what I noticed in the original Gary Seven uh, episode Assignment Earth is that he came to Earth in response to two of his agents under him missing. Yeah. So they had a job. He was just there to check on them. And then he ended up having to take over. Mm,
0: Great point. Great point. Of course, we see Q intervening here. And if you look back where Q does the snap, but it does nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think, and John, you talked about it before, about in certain cases where Q's powers were taken away, but it seems like he's resorted to a more conventional means of getting whatever he's trying to get done done thoughts on Q as a therapist take it where you want to
3: (laughs) well my first thoughts like and uh, the writers are doing a great job here our initial meeting with Q and Picard he kind of approached Picard as trying to help although we know Q's help usually comes with strings attached Q has always been that I wouldn't call him a villain even though I read a report, I read a story like in 2002, somebody did a greatest start. Tr- I mean, greatest sci-fi villains, and Q came in number eleven. But he's never actually just been full-blown villain. So I'm kind of I'm I'm watching this episode and I'm thinking, okay, Q is going to kind of show us a reason why he's doing this, and then he loses his powers. And you know, normally the Q I would expect he loses powers and then he just kind of step back, maybe and watch. You know what I mean? But he's kind of intent yes. on sabotaging this for whatever reason. And it seems like he's trying to get Picard out of the way for the future because I mean, let's face it. Picard has always kind of foiled his fun and, mm. and so to speak. So um, it, it, it's kind of throwing me off, but like his dedication to getting this done <laughs> is amazing. Like I just never would have thought Q would say, okay, I don't have my powers. I'm going to resort to, Thinking and talking like that. Like he's desperate to get this done for whatever
2: reason. Okay. So, so this is where it kind of, I got, I kind of have to diverge on what you guys were saying. Now I didn't like the fact that he was there because he had lost his powers. I love any scene John Delancey is in. I think he is amazing. So anything he does, I think is awesome. That said, The whole time I'm watching it, I'm sitting there thinking, how did he get into that room at that moment as the therapist? How did he do that? Because security, security, security. How was he there? Well,
0: to me, that just feels like, okay. he may not have the power to snap and say something will happen. But in my mind, his brain still has all the knowledge of the universe and how it operates. So he's still able to do miraculous things simply because he has a knowledge of of life and everything in existence because he's basically a God. So he's leveraging that to do things. albeit in a more manual mode. He's still doing the same type of things. I just thought it was fascinating to see him operate in such a way.
3: But what what throws me off is, I mean, when you think back to the episode where he lost his powers, like even though he has that knowledge like it's with like the definition of wisdom is the application of knowledge you he doesn't know I mean he has all his knowledge, and it comes from using his powers, but when he lost his powers in that episode, he
1: was worthless
3: he couldn't do anything
1: even about oh, remember that knowledge. he he did he helped them uh come up with the equation or whatever it was that would fix whatever they were doing in engineering. Q yeah, was the person who told him how a,
3: to do it. It wasn't a direct help. Like, he, it kind of was, you know. I, yeah. the, every,
0: the day-to-day stuff, he, he was no, he was useless at, I feel. Right.
3: So, now to take that and say, okay, he's lost his powers, and I'm with Kyle. Like, how did he get work his way into being a therapist in what we assume <laughs> is a highly <laughs> secure place? Like, that would take a lot of ingenuity from a person who's become accustomed to getting into places without access, without any type
2: of powers or help. And that just surprised me for you. But I have to go back to Clarence's answer that he gave, because now he's convinced me of my own question, which is will you watch Dr. Who and you see the doctor do that time and time again of the same thing that I'm just questioning just by personality alone. So Clarence, I think your explanation is very good in that aspect because I could see Q just walking in by bravado alone and saying, look, I'm the therapist and et cetera and so forth.
1: Yeah, and he can he can whip humanities behind with the the centuries of experience that he has. Yeah. So to to learn how to manipulate someone not just using magic, but and also just using your own charisma, I thought that would be uh, uh something that Q would have, you know, would be part of his arsenal.
3: Yeah. And, you know, think about it. Yeah, you're right. Because a lot of what he does throughout TNG, especially, is wordplay. Yeah. yeah. And I am just think, like, even in this episode, how he kind of manipulates uh, Dr. Soong. It was an ingenious, ingenious manipulation from Q. So I give him that. So maybe it's possible.
0: So let's get into some of that, Adam. So, again, I actively... Hated this portion of the episode, and I want you guys to talk me down. Let's talk about Adam and and Corey. General thoughts on having these characters come back to play younger, uh, ancestral versions of themselves, and how it fits into this puzzle. Because all of this just felt like it was shoehorned into me. It felt off. Talk me down. General thoughts. Anybody can jump in
1: here. I liked it, and the reason why I liked it. Is because it appears, and and of course this is one of my one of my theories, it appears that they are uh making a way for the eugenics war to have occurred later in history. And that Adam Soong, when he was talking to that panel with one of them named Roshenko, by the way, if you if you call that the, the uh the <laughs> wharf parentage, but anywho <laughs> mm. uh, when he was talking to that panel, he He was what he was saying sounds an awful lot like he's going to uh, go into what he's already been doing human experimentation on soldiers. Yeah. And this is something that can carry forward and explain why this society became so dystopian over that amount of time.
0: Yeah. Kyle, I want to get your opinion on this, because our friend Lee Shackford always tells us, just give us a line of dialogue that explains it. And then maybe I can buy it, you know? And I think they do a great job in the part that happens later in the episode when Picard mentions that the records for these times are unreliable. Mm -hmm. You know, it was not kept well. And we've been bickering back and forth for the last few episodes. Like, well, did World War three happen here? and (laughs) and, But he like explains it off here. So, so thoughts on that. And maybe you can just cover uh, some of what Prince Spiner did in this episode.
2: Okay. So, in regards to Brent Spiner's character and the inserting, you know, I get the, I get how you're feeling that it did feel a little inserted. But if I look at the entire tapestry of the Soong lineage and what basically reached a pinnacle, I suppose, with the creation of data and then into the first season of Picard. You see the motivation of what started this creating this perfect humanoid type being was was from a family event that happened that we're seeing. It doesn't change how data was created, but it gives an understanding of why maybe data was created. That's what I like about it. So I get your point about it feeling a little bit inserted, But that was the tapestry that I was referencing at the very beginning that I really, really did like, was it didn't change, but it just added two. So cool, cool on that. Now, in regards to what he does, if this is supposed to be 2024, this idea of having this, oh, uh, what is it called? A um, containment field? Yeah, containment field. Yes. Thank you, Tasha having that containment field two years from the time that we're watching it. (laughs) Yeah. If it was 2034, maybe 2044, (laughs) not two years from now.
0: Yeah. That tick there just kind of threw me out of it as well. I just hated that whole scene to be honest.
3: (laughs) I love this. I love this particular scene. I I did love this scene. And just my thoughts on it is I think, I don't know. I'm still I'm still rooting for Q to be somewhat of a good guy, although he's surprising me. But I mean, maybe he's playing a long game. And why is this scene in it? It's because it's going to play some major importance in the future, which we kind of already know. Like Tasha mentioned the eugenic wars and all that. Like there's there's something that's supposed to happen with Adam and Corey that maybe is going to be changed By the Watcher trying to save Renee. I don't know that's a stretch. That's a stretch. But I'm assuming Q maybe can only expect Picard to handle one part of it. But Q's kind of playing the whole long game.
2: What if we are all assuming incorrectly? What if we are sitting here watching this, assuming all of the things that Q is doing is for the... For, you know, for the detriment of the timeline, because we're just assuming based on our own knowledge, but kind of picking up on what Jonathan just said. What if everything he is doing, his questioning her, all of this is supposed to help keep the timeline intact? What if instead it is something of royal lineage that brings it off the rails, so to speak?
1: Oh, I so agree with you. In, in, in that it is a possibility that everything that we're seeing as being damaging by Q is not, he's not damaging. He's trying to, he's trying to preserve it. And mm. that the, the one person I've been saying who wants to be here is the Borg Queen. She really, she's the only one who seems like she was just fine with, with going into the future and doing all of these things.
0: Yeah, added to the fact that we don't know the reasoning for the appearance of the Borg, not sphere, whatever, star, whatever you call it, at the very beginning yeah, of
1: the whatever season. Yeah, that was, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, how does that play in everything?
1: Mm.
3: And we kind of get into Kyle's specialty, this timey-wimey stuff, so <laughs> I can we can add another layer of difficulty here with the temporal paradox, is, you know, what if Picard coming back? Changes things. thing so again he mentioned we don't know much about this history do we know if renee actually completed the mission or did someone else complete it or take the lead and she was part of it and because he came back it changed the timeline but q needed them to come back to change the timeline so he could come back to fix the timeline
0: oh now you just hurt my brain
1: <laughs> mm. it, that is that's a distinct possibility though that picard is is who okay Hear me out on this. It's a stupid theory. It's a stupid theory. But are we a hundred percent certain that both cues are the same cue? One of them is impotent, doesn't have any power. Oh, that was a horrible. That's <laughs> it, it is. That's That's, what he is. that's He's true. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: That was a good one.
1: <laughs> one of them doesn't have any power, and the other one had no issue whatsoever sending Picard. Where he needed to send them. One of them is still trickster, playing games and being a, a a Loki type character, and the other one is has uncharacteristically turned violent. So, are they the same Q? Hmm.
2: Or are they variants? It could be a future or a past Q that are a lowercase Q. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, and that I don't even want to think about, though. And that will break my brain <laughs> trying to figure out if those are two different the characters. The only
3: pushback I have to that is Q extends beyond
0: time. Yeah.
3: So whether I don't know that, like, he's not in a fixed moment of time.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I,
1: I get it. Yeah.
3: I mean, but I do get your point. That would make sense that we're... You know, this was the past Q. Maybe Q knows that his past self screwed up something and he's going back to fix it. But that would kind of go against what we know of Q, which we yeah. don't know a lot about. But Maybe
1: past Q. Past Q is the one that stayed in the timeline from January through April.
0: Oh, oh boy. Because I'm, remember
1: so the news- <laughs> I'm, I'm still going back to the newspaper. The newspaper that Q was reading the first time we saw Rene Picard... It, it was a January 21st newspaper, but we know that we're in April. So, mm-hmm, just yeah. like Clarence said, we he, Q must have stayed in that timeline because he couldn't move around. So, how is the other Q? <laughs>
0: yeah. How did he send Picard back? Well, how did he yeah. meet Picard in the future in the first place?
2: Okay. Right. What, what about this? And this may answer Tasha's question is what if – and wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey here – but what if both histories are existing simultaneously and are beginning to bleed across each other? And the reason I say that is, I don't think it was Rafi hallucinating that she saw Elnor. Oh. Mm. I think she was hallucinating. <laughs> and it may have been. But but that ties into the conversation, though. Y- you guys having your conversation that you just did is what sparred me to how, or, you know, prompted me to have that thought. I see. They're coming through and I can't stop them again. I was, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> oh boy. Now my head really hurts. No, I I was just thinking, okay, it, I mean, I know you have to, if he is a main star of this, you have to have him in so many episodes as an actor but i just i just found it really odd that they show this person that is basically him i think without the prosthetics and the makeup to make him look like elnor just in that brief scene just for the purpose of having her think something and that may have been all that it was but it just and what and so that's why i'm thinking what if the fact that you've got one cue that is powerful, one cue that can't snap. What what explanations is maybe there's more than one reality out there. And we know there's more than one reality because there's what they're trying to set right and what was. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that is the part. The 25% of this
1: episode that I said I did not like was uh, the real st- storyline that went nowhere to me. Yeah. But if what Kyle is saying, if they were to apply that to this, that would make that make an, an awful lot more sense. Why we did all of these things, because right now it looks like we've done nothing with that real storyline.
0: Real yeah. it, it, Seven and Rafi, like what they did was basically useless in the first three episodes.
1: Yeah. Mm. Except
3: change a lot of things <laughs> in the past. They shouldn't be changing.
1: Yeah. Dropped a bunch of butterflies.
2: So, so let me say this, and then I'll I'll, I'll leave this uh, leave this point alone. But if you go back and you watch yesterday's Enterprise, you had something happen with the previous Enterprise for, you know, spoilers, but that changes reality and brings a character back. And the only person that knows that reality has changed is Guinan. So she has knowledge of what things should be. She has knowledge of this new timeline as it was when everything was brought back to the way it was supposed to be. The episode ends with her asking someone, tell me about, and it's this character who passed away. That said that, that was two timelines in my opinion that existed simultaneously. And one just became the dominant or was restored as the dominant. So why could both of those others and what we're watching now still have two timelines that existed?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's some, that's some real, I mean, I, I am following Kyle and I'm thinking that if they did choose to do it that way, it'll make that little period in the, in the episode make a little bit more sense to me.
0: Yeah. Well, getting back to Dr. Soon for just a minute, Did you guys enjoy the 3D printed card that Q sent him with a number on it? And did you call said number? Hello, you have reached the Q continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence. Your feeble mortal mind cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call. And we simply do not care. Have a nice day.
1: You know I called the number. <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself. I called that number. <laughs> What'd you get? It was cute. Yeah, it was his real number. You thought he gave me a bad number, Jonathan. No, he gave you the real number. <laughs> and and it was him talking about how we are irrelevant and in, in, so many words. He went on for about twenty six seconds yeah. about how irrelevant we are.
0: <laughs> like I knew you would call.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I know you knew. <laughs>
3: yeah, I just
1: couldn't help myself.
3: <laughs> Listen, you know he's a powerful being when he can not only manipulate the characters in a fictional world, but the, also the audience.
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's true. Had me calling him. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to call the number, Jonathan, though, so you can get the experience for yourself. (laughs) I'll have to do that.
3: I I didn't think I never thought I've seen things like that. And I've heard about those, you know, calling the number, (laughs) but I've never just picked up the phone and called it.
0: Let me let me pivot that to saying what what do we think Q's angle is with Adam?
1: He is there for that Faustian bargain. He has he has given him a choice that he can't say no to. We go, I'm going to give your daughter life, and then you'll owe me a favor. And I really liked his uh, his little monologue. Uh, uh, he said, I am the evolution of stardust. I'm the gentle flutter of a butterfly. I am death, destroyer of worlds. And I'm also a big fan of your work and a visionary. Who knows how important you are to the future of this planet?
0: Yeah, good stuff.
1: The whole death, destroyer of worlds was... Uh, from the Bhagavad Gita first, so the Hindu scripture, that's what Angus was telling me out about, so shout out to Angus. But it was also something that Robert Oppenheimer said after they nuked, you know, mm-hmm. they dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. And he said, I am Death Destroyer of Worlds. Kind of like, I'm wondering if Q is basically saying that, that his presence in this timeline is almost tantamount to him dropping a nuke on this timeline.
0: Hmm.
3: Or he created something that is going to be used to destroy that he didn't have intentions of doing.
2: Yeah. Mm. I'm just noticing this, this is the second time in this review that I am referring to Q and the Doctor as being similar, because there is a point in Doctor Who... That one of the bad guys, Davros, refers to the doctor as the destroyer. I name you the destroyer of worlds. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Q, Q makes a very interesting statement when he's talking to Adam there. He says, seems I've taken time for granted as mm-hmm. of late. And now she's threatening to abandon me. Is Q dying? That's I, what I it sounds like he to me. Is.
1: Can he die? It has to be something that desperate. It has to be he can't die I, I felt that way too but then they had a freaking war Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> they did.
3: Yeah, yeah but like a Q can kill a Q
1: but that's it so what if there are two Q's
2: Oh, oh wow. Wow. Q squared
1: <laughs> and then he also said we're all hostages to what we love the only way to truly be free is to love nothing and how meaningless would that be so those were his words, and I'm still trying to figure out is he what is it that he loves? Does he love Earth? What is it what does he try to say? And you I have to believe that each part of that monologue meant something. Mm.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully next episode isn't a filler. <laughs>
1: Please and <laughs> thank you.
0: Right. Let's talk about the Borg queen a little bit. So after trying a myriad of vocal impressions, which were very awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's able to gain access to the Las Arenas communications, summoning local authorities. Gerardi comes in to save security officer, seemingly shooting the queen. First, did you think the queen was really dead because they had me fooled 100%? And secondly, is Gerardi doomed? Kyle, what do you think?
2: All hell, Queen Gerardi. <laughs> <laughs> And I and I and I chose my words carefully. I think there is a symbiotic being that is now drawing. Mm-hmm. Anybody else?
1: I've been saying this from the first episode, man, that there was a connection, that those two characters were connected, and we are seeing now that it is beyond just uh, being assimilated. They are codependent. It seems like.
0: Yeah. Their own collective, yeah,
2: <laughs> too. but like quite literally, though, I because any two people can be a collective mm-hmm. or two beings.
0: Mm. Thoughts, John?
3: Mm. Before I watched this, I was late watching this episode, so and I get news feeds, and one of my news feeds tagline was assimilated gerati.
0: <laughs>
3: so be going into this, oh, <laughs> with, <laughs> that just and usually spoilers doesn't bother me, but like in this particular scene, I was like, "Well, obviously she didn't kill her because she's gonna assimilate." Right. Her. So I was waiting for that to happen. But what surprised me, what shocked me, and maybe you guys can correct me, but I've never seen an assimilation quite this way. It's it like Kyle just mentioned, and like they're they're merging into one being. It wasn't a takeover or. It, I mean, mm-hmm. we call it assimilation, but it really wasn't assimilation. It was emerging. merging.
1: Yeah, that's what made me say that, because there, it was like you said that she she didn't just take over her entire being and start to control her. It's them working together. And it was something about probably that even though I noticed it from the from the first episode, there was something about that partial assimilation that let. The Boar Queen know that this is the person that you want to be in cahoots with.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, why? why? Why is she so important?
1: I got another question. Why would the French police only send one police officer? <laughs> why didn't give him a body cam or send him a buddy or something? Yeah, what but did body cam mean? <laughs> right. That's a question that we probably won't get an answer to. <laughs> well,
3: here's my
2: thing. Here's another example of smoking to kill you. <laughs> Very funny, and I agree. But I do like the misdirection that it gave you because I was sure that the first Borg drone was going to be this cop that she was going to, yeah. you know, try to assimilate, and then they would have to kill the drone, et cetera, and so forth. So yeah. that's where I thought they were going with it. Yeah,
0: it, it definitely seems like. She has a respect for Girati, and I think she knows she needs her in some capacity as her normal self in order to get from this past that they're stuck in. So, to me, that's one of the reasons she didn't like fully assimilate her.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Like, are they? Is she stuck? The Boar Queen. I keep saying it. She's the one person who wants to be there. She she came mm. on the ship. She. Did what she did, tried to assimilate the ship, but she didn't kill anybody. She stunned an awful lot of people, but she didn't kill anybody. She didn't try to assimilate any people. So is she trying? Does she want to be away or does she want to be there? Is is that significant in some way?
0: Or with her advanced knowledge of the time stream, does she know this is supposed to happen this way? So maybe she does want to be there.
3: And we Mm -hmm. know one of the few species that the Borg never could fully take over was Earth and the Terrans. And Mm -hmm. no matter how hard she tried, we always defeated them or pushed them out. So the best way to do it, and they did try this. They were going back in time to simulate. And they tried that, and it still didn't work. But Mm -hmm. it, um, it was closest they've ever come. So maybe this is her way. And to throw that in... She needs somebody like Girati, maybe to be the Borg Queen in that timeline.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mm. that that's what I'm going to. I think I think Girati is who was on that ship with Picard at the very beginning. I think right. that's Borg Girati. I do too. Yeah, mm.
1: I, and, and thinking back to it, yes, because first and foremost, if I wanted to assimilate that ship, I don't have to wait for Picard to get on that ship. Why does she why did they need Picard there?
2: Yeah, and why does she say something that is knowledgeable to Picard, and didn't Picard tell, tell her. her about that? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. I think he did. So look up. Yeah. see it it you know, and maybe that was the way uh, her way of saying, "I am who I am." And that's why, because when e- have you ever seen a Borg Queen's face covered up? Never. Never. Right. They all have that same mm-hmm. look, but this one, her face would cover was covered up because we would recognize her. Right. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Porscotti.
2: <laughs> that's my whole idea about their true identities. We took the backseat to their title and their crown. Their crown for this Borg Queen was this way that her face looked and that's that was my try to play on words Mm -hmm.
0: now i think also as a result we're going back to something that seems like happens in every season of discovery you have somebody in somebody else's head that only they can see (laughs) so
1: (laughs) yeah this is that is a trope i didn't even think about that but yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess i'm fine with it in
0: this case because it is the board queen but still we're doing that again
1: yeah yeah and she was so comfortable with her. Wasn't she oh, <laughs> had her boy. little arm around her like, this is my best bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, gosh.
0: So uh back to Renee for just a bit. And we're about to wrap this up. So Renee apparently discovers a microorganism on the moon IO, a moon of Jupiter, that she believed to be sentient. Again... I, I think I'm going to go with Kyle here. This whole thing might be a bit of misdirection because I don't see how that would impact the timeline other than knowing there's other life out there. Because, you know, we're trying to find, you know, species on on Mars, you know, looking in the water. I don't see how this can be that impactful, but maybe it can. So I don't know. Any thoughts?
2: I always thought that in the Star Trek timeline, your first contact was literally first contact. yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of this microorganism that they thought was something else. And maybe the absence of the microorganism is needed so that Vulcans Mm. can literally be first contact.
1: I was thinking that, Mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, that their first contact was not supposed to be that microorganism. It was supposed to be the Vulcans, and things went off the rails. So, for instance, and this is just hypothetically— If they brought that microorganism back to Earth and something negative happened, now they're going to look to the stars and say, everything out there is a danger to us. We need to be prepared. Xenophobia.
0: Yeah. This could be what strikes xenophobia.
3: Yes. Mm. Very, very good. Mm. So maybe that's why Q is trying to stop her.
1: Yeah. Because maybe the love is really, it's Earth. Maybe Q just loves humanity. And that's why he said what he said, sitting at the table. We're all hostages to what we love. Maybe his love is Earth, and he's doing everything that he can to preserve the Earth that he knew. Or
0: or the final test is Picard's love of his ancestor, who he's going to have to have to let die or something is going to happen to her in order for the timeline to be maintained. Which
2: is the true test of humanity, which goes back to the very beginning. Now, let me add this could also his love not be of humanity I like where you went there but could it also be his game with Picard and by changing this timeline because of whatever happened the changed timeline has erased the oh, um, the relationship, the game, built. The relationship yeah. that he had with Picard
1: hmm. that's good too that's a good
2: thought too y'all yeah, are making my head hurt
1: <laughs> <Jonathan>.
2: <laughs> but you know what the true beauty of of this episode, I think, is turning into, at least for me, is we have sat here for the last good 40 minutes saying, what if, what if, what if? And I think in itself, that's awesome.
0: And can I say it is so amazing to actually theorize? And of course, we're not going to get everything right. But the breadcrumbs lead to something that is possible, (laughs) you know, or something that we could come up with. To me, it's fun when the breadcrumbs that they put can lead to that instead of something crazy like no one ever think of that makes no sense. But, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Any final thoughts before we wrap this episode?
3: You know, what was probably not fun. The writers having to put all of this together. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then that guy the new showrunner, he he did that show 12 Monkeys. Now I've not watched it yet. I intend to. It's a timey-wimey, weekly wobbly yes. type thing. You've watched it, Jonathan?
3: I have. It's good, but it's You liked it? I did, but it's one of those you're going to have to watch a couple of times.
1: Okay. Mm. So, Easter eggs, Renée Picard's passport, the dates on that passport correspond to some of the uh highlights in Star Trek history. Her, let me think. Her date of birth was eleven twenty two ninety six, and that is when first contact hit the theaters. Oh, um, nice nine twenty four seventeen was, I believe, when she was issued her 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 passport, and that is the Vulcan hello and battle of Bi- binary stars from Discovery. And I don't know. There's one at seven one ninety six. So July first ninety six. I couldn't find anything except for an issue of, I believe, a comic or a novel from Deep Space Nine called Time's Enemy, Mm. which I thought maybe that might have something to do with it because it is time, right? Mm -hmm. And then Jurati's Passport, 8620 was the date that it was issued, and that is Lower Decks Second Contact. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: premiere date <laughs> 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 mm, interesting stuff there interesting stuff yeah I, I love the first contact reference for that being um the day it was released to be her birthday i thought that was freaking amazing i will say real quick i love the i love the part where they were dragging the policeman body out
1: it <laughs> 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 so was like
0: what what's going on here Good break in the moment for some comedy. Yes, it that was. was.
1: Great. I also like the scene where, uh where Rafi was trying to question him about how much Talon looks like Laris. And he was cutting her off with just these one word answers. And she said, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a cute uh. scene as well. There is also when, when Adam Soong entered to talk to that panel. And I know I look at things, uh, maybe it doesn't mean it, and maybe it does. But when he was walking up, I looked at the floor, and it was a checkerboard floor. Oh. And it took me back to the first episode when, or was that the second episode, when Q said, you're not a pawn in this game, John Luke. You are the very board upon yeah. which this game is played. Yeah. And I'm looking like, okay, now Adam Sung walking across this floor is entering the game. He's yes. in it now. Yes. Like it or not.
0: <laughs> and I don't know if we mentioned this, but in the first episode, there's a holographic statue of Adam Song mm-hmm. on the Confederation base or former Starfleet base. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He
1: was instrumental in that timeline for somewhere. Last thing. Shango. The name of the ship. was That, that was the name of, of uh, Rene Picard's ship.
3: Yeah. Shango.
1: That is a... Yoruba god. So just in case there are other people out here who are interested in these things, that <laughs> is that is where that came from.
2: Awesome. You know, I if we've not said it before, I know we've said this in discovery and we've I know we've referenced the Picard opening, but for anyone listening, not necessarily for who's starring in the episode, but pay attention to the introduction, the scenes that they're showing because I think they have a lot of things hidden in plain sight in the introduction, because every time I watch it and I'm learning more about the story as it progresses, I'm picking up more and more little tidbits that they have hidden. And I'll just go ahead and give you one. When you see some glass breaking at some point with an hourglass, it forms some of a couple of shards of the glass form the changed Federation to Confederation badge. Oh. So, Ooh, well, so, I mean, so, so, so so go back and watch that. And I think you'll pick up on some things that we have seen and are seeing from the uh, story. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get
0: ratings for the episode. And Tasha, let's start with you.
1: Um, I give it a four point five. So just like oh, last wow. week, just like last week. <laughs> I liked everything that they did with it, except for the real storyline. And if it turns out that it will point back at the Elnor situation, I will revise that. (laughs) But right now, yeah, 4.5 is where I'm going to lean.
2: What about you, Mr. Jones? You know what? I was prepared to give it a four, but I think I'm going to go up to Tasha's 4.5 because I like Elnor, and at least (laughs) for a couple of seconds- I got to
0: see Eleanor, so 4.5. It was almost so dramatic to see the other guy's face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. what?
0: <laughs> John, what do you think, man? So
3: I told you at the top, I was just kind of unsure. And as I've talked, it, we, you guys know I hate time stuff. I just hate, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And then this whole conversation has just made it. Like, literally, I have a headache. Like, I'm going to have to take oh, aspirin. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But that being said, I go back to when I sit down to watch it, was I fully involved? Did I love it, and did I not want it to end at the end? And that was the case that was the case. I'm gonna have to say, short all of the confusion on what may happen because of the time I'll go with four point high four point
0: five wow, oh, wow, wow, I'm gonna be Debbie downer here today, I see. <laughs> Because, I mean, I, again, I just feel like the Adam and Corey part of the episode, though it may turn out to be something pivotal, obviously, is going to be pivotal. Maybe we could have got some of that stuff introduced earlier. It just feels like a shoehorn to me at this point. I'm sure it's going to all make sense. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, from it being introduced and just feeling so different tonally from the other stuff we've gotten... I'm gonna say about a three point eight at Ooh. best. Yeah, I, 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 I loved, it. and then we had the conclusion of the the high, or to get them from but to get Rios from the bus, which I feel like we could have got that last episode, and really nothing happened in this episode. Really, <laughs> nothing happened, but so much happened. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking myself out of it.
1: But yeah, that was yeah. That's how I felt last week. So I get it.
0: And then again, real quick, can we talk about this Ocean's Eleven slash James Bond slash Mission Impossible thing <laughs> that we're going on? I, I, yeah, I'm, I did not like that either.
1: <laughs> it it kind of makes me think of one of those Julian Bashir episodes, the holiday episodes <laughs> from DS9. Yeah, yeah,
0: I get it. Yeah, I can get that. Yeah, just I didn't I didn't like where that was going. And it seems like next episode is going to be more of that. So, uh, yeah, you're, we'll see. you're
1: going to get some of that. <laughs> we'll see.
0: Mm. All right. Well, guys, we're going to wrap things up. If you want to send in feedback, you can send that into fans at discussingtrek.com dot com or hit us up at discussing trick on any and all social medias. You can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, what do you have for us this week, man?
3: So I'm going to throw this one out there and we'll leave it for next week. So, who was the first character to ever use the word "trick" in a Star Trek film or episode? You haven't heard that much throughout Star Trek. Mm.
2: So, can I just take a guess, totally random, because I absolutely don't know? Or do you want to wait till next week? You can take a guess, but I won't tell All you right, if so you're my right or wrong. Totally random guess. I promise it's random. Is Spot? But I'm probably wrong. Well, mm. I can tell you no on that one. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea on this one. Yeah, so. I
1: can't think of it. I can remember somebody saying, are you saying you're going on some kind of Star Trek? It seems like I can remember a line, but I can't remember who said it.
0: I think Zephan Karkin says it in, in First Contact. Correct. Oh, is that the answer? <laughs> no,
3: that's not
1: the answer. So he he went at first.
0: The
3: first time. But he was the he was the first actual mentioning the words together,
0: Star Trek. Yeah. With the the impromptu, I have to say the title of the movie somehow in the episode type thing, right? which it totally (laughs) does in a movie. (laughs) When is the word trick actually spoken on screen in an episode? Am I correct? Well,
3: well, who was the first character
0: to ever use the word trick?
3: And you can tell me you can tell me which uh, series. I mean, which episode as
0: well. Mm, All right. Well, that is out there for the listeners. Again, you can respond to that. Fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Tasha, one more time, tell people where they can find your live streams as well as your YouTube videos that you post every week.
1: Well, my YouTube is After the Snap Movies and TV. And you can find me, same name, on Facebook or on Twitch when we do live streams. We usually do live streams three days a week. That would be Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. So you can find me there and um, on Twitter at Snap After.
0: Cool. And I will say people who are Whovians, we do have a Easter special coming up, which we'll be reviewing as we do with all other Doctor Who episodes on our Discussing Who podcast, which can be found on any and all outlets by searching Discussing Who or by going to DiscussingWho.com. So definitely check that out. And with that, we're going to wrap things up, guys. Until next time, live long and prosper. guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at
1: realitybreach.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For
2: more details, visit realitybreached.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Have a nice day.